All right. We are moving on to lesson seven. After tonight, we'll be halfway through. It's amazing just how fast this class travels, and uh, but a lot of great information that we've got so far, and a lot of great information coming up. But tonight, we're going to start with a story, and this is a, a story at the beginning of Zane Hodges' book, The Gospel Under Siege, and it's going to be kind of what we're talking about tonight, about understanding our security in Christ, God's power, God's promises. We're going to look at scriptures that show His power and His promises so that we can know, be assured that we have eternal life and so that we can have scriptures to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks us for the hope that's within us who is doubting their salvation. But listen to this. Last night, Jimmy accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. This morning, he is bubbling with joy he has never experienced before. On his way to work, he meets his friend Bill. Bill has always claimed to be a Christian. He also reads a lot of books on theology. But Jimmy has never been too interested in theology up until this point. Say, Bill, Jimmy begins, guess what? I got saved last night. I trusted Christ as my Savior. Now I know I'm going to heaven. Hmm, Bill replies, maybe you shouldn't quite say it that way. After all, you don't really know that you're going to heaven. What do you mean, Jimmy requires? The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And that's what I did. Bill gives Jimmy a wise and knowing look. It's the kind of look that all perceptive theologians know how to give the ignorant and unlearned. But did you really believe? Maybe you just believe psychologically. What do you mean? Jimmy is feeling a little depressed now. I mean, Bill continues to say, you can't know yet whether you have a real saving faith. How can I know that? By your works. You have to wait and see if you live a real Christian life. Jimmy is dejected. You mean that if I sin, I'm not a Christian after all? No, I don't mean that, Bill assures him. All Christians fail once in a while. But how much do they fail? I mean, how bad does it have to get before I find out that I'm not saved? Well, it can't get too bad for too long. But how bad? For how long? Jimmy feels desperate. I can't tell you exactly, but a true Christian doesn't practice sin. If you find that you're practicing sin, that will show that you didn't have real saving faith to begin with. What if I do pretty good for several years and then things start going bad? In that case, maybe you weren't saved to start with. Maybe. What do you mean by that? I mean Bill's tone is solemn. You'll probably have to wait until the end of your life before you can know for sure that you are a true Christian. You have to persevere in good works or your faith wasn't real. Do you think I can be sure before I die? Maybe. Listen, Jim, I've got to rush off to work. We'll talk about this some other time, okay? Yeah, okay. See you, Bill. Bill rushes off. Jimmy is devastated. All the joy he had experienced since last night had suddenly evaporated. He is now filled with questions and doubts. Jimmy has become a casualty in the siege of the gospel. And we see that this happens so often in Christianity, in the church. Um, Whenever you go to churches, so many places that you go to church, um, they get the message all mixed up and confused. They, They put together salvation and discipleship 
and um, they don't distinguish between those two and we will see that here in just a couple of weeks the difference between salvation and discipleship and make that distinction and see the distinction um, and how the Bible makes it clear that there is a distinction between those two things and so people that believe in Jesus Christ they have eternal life they know they they have eternal life they get all mixed up and confused um, because they listen to other people rather than looking into the word and digging it out for themselves and uh, but Jimmy I mean he was he was a brand new Christian and so he didn't know a whole lot and so it was real easy for someone who was a Christian quote unquote um, to to get him off course and, and to get him thinking that he had something to do. And the truth is, whenever we say that it is by our works, our goodness, or our righteousness that, that we have our eternal life, that we assist Christ in, in gaining our eternal life, then we're making ourselves out to be the Savior. That Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was not enough. And so I've got to help Jesus out. I have to do things myself. And uh, we're going to see from God's Word, through God's promises and God's power, that it's He that holds us secure. It is His faithfulness, not our faithfulness. And He has the power to keep the promises that He makes. So, what is our goal for tonight? That each person will understand their security in Christ. That each person will understand their security in Christ. So let's begin by reviewing security. What is security? Safety. Exactly. Being safe, held, or protected. Um, and when we're talking, you know, biblically, it's being safe, held, or protected um, by the power of God. And so, based on God's character, we're we're safe. We're being saved forever. And then, what is assurance? understanding or security. Okay, so our understanding of our security based on God's character. So our understanding of our security based on God's character. So all people are are assured of their salvation, true or false? False. False. All believers are secure in Christ. Yes. True. True. Okay, so security is something that all believers have whether they know it or not. Assurance is their knowledge that they are secure in Christ and so they're assured of their salvation. And we want all believers to be assured of their salvation. Not only do we, but God wants us to know that. And that's what 1 John 5, 11 through 13, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He wants us to know that we're safe, secure forever. Well, our understanding affects two things. And what are they? Stability and service. Stability and service. You know, if we don't know that we are secure in Christ, a lot of times our lives are on a roller coaster. We're going to heaven, we're going to hell. We've got joy and peace. We've got uh, disillusionment. And we think, you know, man, what? where are we going? What's going to happen? And so we're just on this roller coaster ride and we have no stability. And then also it affects our service. And how does it affect our service? 
Because we serve God out of what? Out of fear. Out of fear rather than serving Him out of love. And so it affects our service. Why are we serving Christ? Are we serving Christ to hang on to something? Are we serving Christ out of love because we understand what He did for us? We understand the sacrifice that He made for us. We understand that He loved us so much that He willingly bore in His body not only was he beaten and crushed on the outside, you know, so many times we think about that, and um, and you see Jesus portrayed with you know all of these ripped up skin marks and um, this blood coming out of him. But man, how much worse was it for him to be separated from Amen. God Amen. and putting all of mankind's sins, all of our sins. The sins of all people who lived before us, all the people's sins who are going to live after us, being placed on Jesus Christ at that point in time, and that's one of the things that that I said to to um, in chapel today. You know, is just think of what it must have been like for Jesus hanging there on that cross and being separated, and the whole world goes black because of all of that sin just coming and being placed on Him at one time. And as he takes the sin of the world upon himself, man, just think about that. And he did all of that because he loves us so much. And whenever we understand and we realize the love that Jesus has for us, then we will serve him out of love. And if we understand that it took that sacrifice in order for us to be with the perfect righteous God forever, then we'll trust Him for what He promises us, eternal life. And we won't have to work our way for it. We won't have to live our life for it, but we'll live our life because of it, because we understand the love that He has for us. We'll give that love back to Him. So any thoughts, comments, questions about that? I mean, I think it's something that we need to think about, that we need to, to understand. You know, it wasn't just the beating on the outside. It was the beating on the inside that he separated. I mean, just think about you if you have a child and that child was taken away from you. Um, and, you know, you just, what would it be like? And that's what happened between, between Jesus and God. What, what would your child be like? You know, looking for you, wanting to be with you, but can't be with you because, because of what's, what's happening. And so we need to take that to heart. We need to see the importance that it, ha- that it should have in our lives and the importance that we should want to give that message out to other people and how important that message is to get out to other people so that they can be with Christ forever and be with us forever. He was on that cross all by himself. I mean, uh, God couldn't look up on him, but he had all the sins of the world in it. Exactly. It's just just amazing to think about that. It is, it is. So, our understanding of our security affects our stability and our service. Underneath there it says eternal life is eternal or it is not eternal life. Eternal life is eternal. It's forever or it's not eternal life. Either it is forever or it's been given the wrong name. 
And God didn't give it the wrong name. He gave it the name eternal life specifically so that we would know that we are saved and saved forever. Salvation is by grace through faith and it is not by works. And we know that because we've seen Ephesians 2.8.9 For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We talked about last week that in salvation, grace and works both can't exist. Because if you add one work to your grace, to God's grace, then it's no longer grace. But if it is by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And so we know that salvation is by grace through faith, and it's not by works. So the basis for our security of eternal life is what? Jesus Christ. It's based off of God's character. We looked at Titus 1-2 last week. And there were three things that that we saw in there. It said in Titus 1-2, in the hope of eternal life, and we said hope is eager anticipation. It's not like I hope it rains tomorrow. It's, it's eager anticipation in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. So God, based off His character, He cannot lie, and He made a promise long ages ago, and that, that promise was eternal life. That promise was that the seed of woman was going to come and crush the head of the serpent. That, that seed went to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and on to Judah and to the greater son of David and on to the he was going to be the son of Mary the son of the virgin the son of the virgin Mary and then he was going to be the son of God and his name is Jesus because he came to save his people and so we've got God's promises and God's power God promised us eternal life long ages ago and it started immediately after the first sin, after Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Well, what two ways reveal God's character concerning the believer's security? And they are A, God's promises, and B, God's power. God's promises and God's power. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at three places in God's Word where we see the promises that He makes and the power that he has to hold them. So if you want to, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, verse 28. John 10, 28. I'm going to read actually 28 through 30. It says, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So going back to John 10.28, what is the promise that Jesus Christ gives? He promises that they'll have what? So He gives them eternal life. And then He goes on and says that the believers will never what? Perish. And what does that word perish mean? 
separate. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no separation. There's no condemnation. And so we'll never perish. We'll never be separated. And actually there in the Greek, it actually says, and they will never in no way. So, I mean, he's putting emphasis. The never in no way will they ever be separated from God. And so the next question there is pretty simple. How long is eternal life? Forever. And we already asked, or I already asked the question there, D, what does it mean to perish in that separation or condemnation? So Jesus Christ, He promises, He he makes that promise, I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. And so He makes those two promises. But look at the power there. What does it say? That no one will do what? Exactly. No one will be able to snatch us out of His hands. No one will be able to pull us out of His hands. You know, a great illustration. Let's think about we got a football game coming up on Saturday. Let's say me and Lauren are going to the football game. And it's it's a one-point ball game. It goes all the way to the end. So everybody in the stand stays until the end of the game. And do you think that I'm just going to say to say to Lauren as we're walking out of, out of the stadium, hey, you just hang on to my finger and uh, we're going to go and and you know follow me to the car, or do you think that with all of those people around, crossing busy streets with cars driving, going through parking lots where cars are moving around, that I'm not going to hang on to her hand to make sure that she's safe and secure. And that is way, the way God is with us. He's not going to let us just hold on to Him. We're not hanging on to Him based on our, our good works or our lifestyle and having to be good enough. He is the one who is holding on to us. He is making sure that we're going to be safe and secure in His hand. Because if it's us hanging on to Him, what happens? Butterflies. Friend over there. You know, that's the way Lauren would be if I said, you hang on to my hand. Well, hey, there's one of my friends I know from school and take off. And um, and so in order to keep her safe and secure, I'm holding on to her. In order for us to stay safe and secure, God is the one who is holding on to us. And God is way more powerful than I am. And I'm way weaker than what Lauren is in his hand. And so no one can snatch us out of his hand. And I love the next, the next verse that we're going to look at because he even brings character to, or more clarity to what he's even saying in this passage here. So no one can pull us out of his hand. You know, I have heard people say, well, yeah, nobody can pull us out of his hand, but we can walk out of his hand. You know, I, I, we can we can get out of it. He just, nobody can pull us out of His hand, but I can walk out of it. I can decide that I don't want to be with Jesus anymore, that I no longer want this relationship. I, you know, some bad things happened in my life, and I think it's all blame it on God, and so I don't want anything to do with Him. And so I'm going to walk away from Him. But can we do that? Can we walk away from the relationship that we got 
at the moment we believed in Him? Because what happened whenever we believed in Him? We were born again in John chapter 3. We become born again. And so we're born into His family. We've got His DNA um, is attached to, to our DNA. And so we are related to Him. And nothing that we can do can, can take that away. Now we can get out of fellowship with Him. We can leave Him. And, and we cannot serve Him. We cannot walk with Him. But we still don't lose that relationship because we're born again. We're new creations in Christ at the moment we believe in Him. And so whether we want out of it or not, whenever we get to heaven, we're going to say, man, I'm glad you were holding on to me because I said I didn't want to be with you anymore. And praise the Lord, I'm with you instead of where I would be if I were not with you. So... Even if we don't want to, God is the one that's holding on to us. Even if we want to pull away and we want to go somewhere else, if Satan wants to pull on us, if anybody wants to pull on us, he is more powerful. He can hold on to us. Does that make sense? Do we understand? Do we know it? All right. Let's move on. So the power is no one can pull us out of His hand. If someone says they can pull you out of the hand of God, then they are saying they are more powerful than God is. So we are secure because God promises eternal life and He has the power to carry out His promise. So we are secure because God promises eternal life and He has the power to carry out His promise. Turn next in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We'll first look at verse 1. Somebody want to read verse 1? Okay, so therefore, summary statement about what he's been talking about. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, so no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's no separation for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. How do we get in Christ Jesus? By believing... For eternal life. In Jesus Christ for eternal life. We, and whenever we believe in Him, we are placed in Christ. So not only are we born again, not only are we new creations in Christ, but we are placed in Christ. We're in the body of Christ. And so the promise there is no condemnation. Now, jump down to the end of the chapter because this is where I really like it. We're going to read 35 through 39, but 38 and 39 is what I really like. Look at this, beginning at verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things... 
we overwhelmingly conquered how? Through Him. Through Christ who loved us. And then he goes on right here. We see our security. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things to come nor nor uh, principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he makes it pretty clear there that there's nothing that can separate us. And I mean, he gives this whole list of things that, that cannot separate us. But then he, he comes to the end and he says, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is nothing that has ever been created on this earth Nothing that has been created by Him. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Man, that is amazing to understand the power that God has, that He can keep us, and nothing can separate us. We overwhelmingly conquer through Him. And nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice it's not our doing. It's all through Him. He is the one who is protecting us. He's the one who holds us safe. He is the one that can thwart off anything that the world, the flesh, or the devil can throw at us to separate us from Him for all eternity. So once again, we see that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. We realize that our security is based on the promises and power of God. And just to recap what we've gone through so far, His power or His promises in, in 10.28, John 10.28 was first He promised us that He was going to give us what? Eternal life. Eternal life. He promised us that He was going to give us eternal life and that we would never what? Perish. Never perish. And then in Romans 8, 1, we saw that there was no condemnation. condemnation. So there's His promises. We have eternal life, an eternal relationship with Him. And nothing can separate us from Him. And His power is that nothing can pull you out of His hands. There is no one or no thing that can pull you out of His hand. And then number two is nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. And then there's one more verse that clearly demonstrates our security in Christ and it's John 5.24. And I like this verse. There's three tenses that are found in this verse. And it's powerful. John 5.24 Somebody want to read that? Truly, truly I say to you, he who heareth my word and 
believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but passes out of death into life. Okay. So truly, truly, amen, amen. This is a truth statement. Although all the word, all the Bible is truth, John 17, 17, thy word is truth. He's saying this is truth. Listen up and pay attention. Who's speaking here? Jesus, exactly right. Jesus. And he's speaking. And it says, He who hears and believes. And you see, the truth is, is that we need to be telling people. People need to hear about Jesus Christ, who He is, why He came, and what He did. That's what we need to be talking to people about. We need to be giving them the gospel. Because Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. People need to hear. And once they hear what Jesus did, then we want them to respond in faith. We want them to believe in Jesus Christ for what He's offering, eternal life. But look at what the passage goes on to say. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. So what tense is eternal life right there? Present. Present. So he has present tense eternal life. So, when do we get eternal life? The moment we believe. You know, there's many people who teach that you don't get eternal life until the end of your life. You know, even in that story, what did he say? Well, you have to wait until the end of your life to see if you had real saving faith. If your faith was real, you don't know that until you get to the, to the end of your life. You know, there's people now, they have this, um, where they teach that you get justification at the moment you believe, but there's also a final justification that comes at the end of your life. But that's not what the Bible says. There, there's no, no reference to that in the, in the Word of God. At the moment we believe, He says, present tense, you have eternal life. Eternal life is an eternal relationship that is with God and it begins at the moment we believe in Jesus Christ. We'll see that even as we go on through this passage. So we have, present tense, right now we have eternal life and does not come into judgment. So there is no judgment, no condemnation, no separation. And what tense is that? Does not come into judgment is in the future. Exactly right. There's no condemnation in the future. But, what does it go on to say? Has passed out of death into life. What, what tense is that? Past. Exactly right. So he has already passed from death to life. So I have eternal life now there's no judgment in the future. Why? Because in the past, he's already crossed over from death to life. So present tense, I have eternal life. In the future, no condemnation, no separation. Why? Because I've already passed from death to life. 
So that verse right there is a total contradiction to what people say whenever they say you have to wait until the end of your life to determine whether you have eternal life or not. Whether you're going to go to heaven, whether, whether you're going to be with Jesus, however you want to say it, that, that verse is in total contradiction to what they say. Because the believer now has eternal life and will never come into condemnation because he has already passed from death to life. Any thoughts, comments, questions? In the summary there, it says the believer by faith in... What's that blank need to say? Jesus Christ. The believer by faith in Jesus Christ has Eternal. eternal life. He is secure. He is secure. When we understand the promise and power of God, we will have the assurance of our salvation. When we understand the promise and power of God, we will have the assurance of our salvation. And this is not in the book, so this is all for free. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, verse 21. I want to show you one other verse that deals with the power of God. Romans 1? Chapter 4. Actually, we'll begin at verse 18 and read on through the passage here, 18 to 21. Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 18 and going through 21. In Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it says, In hope against hope, he believed. And this is talking about Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, they were old, advanced in years. God comes and makes a promise to them that, that they are going to have a child. And it says here, in hope against hope, they're going against hope. He believed, Abraham believed, so that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which has been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. So they're in hope against hope, looking at his body, looking at how old he is, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, how old she is. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And then here's the key verse, 21. And being fully assured that what God had promised he was able also to perform. So, in hope against hope, there's no way that this hundred-year-old man 
and Sarah in the dentist of her womb should be able to have a child. But God made a promise. And Abraham knew the power of God. And he knew. And so he didn't waver in his faith. He knew the power of God. And so he trusted Him. And what happened? What happened? They had the baby that God promised. And so, against all hope, they got what God promised. So what has God promised us? Eternal life. life. So do you think He has the power to keep His promises? Amen. Amen, He does. So sometimes people, they look at their lives and they say, man, I I was saved several years ago and, you know, I just lived my life this way and that way and it's not according to what God's Word is and so how can I still be saved? It's because it's not based on what we promised to do, but based on what He promised to all who would believe in Christ and that is eternal life. God is able to keep His promises. We saw that in Romans 4.21 just now, that He is able, He has the power to keep His promises. And from Titus 1.2, we see He always does because God never lies. So we see the power in the promises of God. So we ought to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're safe and secure, held by Him, that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Any other thoughts, comments, questions, concerns? Is there any way I can get you to start back up here? Yeah, I'll get it here in just a minute. Let's finish out and then I'll come back and get those blanks for you. Anything else? Anybody have any other... So do you think now if you were talking to somebody um, and they said that they, they had believed in Jesus Christ and they didn't know for sure if they were going to heaven or not, that you could take them and you could show them what the Bible says so that they could have the assurance of their salvation based off of these three, four verses or three or four little passages that we looked at today?